Hi, this is Greg Voison inviting you to listen to our latest Inside Personal Growth podcast number 882 with author David Corbin about his new book entitled The Illuminated Brand, Building a Culture That Remains Brand-Centric Even Under Pressure. This podcast number 882 is brought to you by Allison Lewis, author of The 7-Minute Solution, Creating a Life with Meaning 7 Minutes at a Time. Allison is a returning guest inside personal growth and someone I would consider a very personal good friend. We did a podcast originally back in November of 2013. I've invited her back to inside personal growth because so much has evolved regarding the psychology of time management, goal setting, and the way she is working with individuals and corporate clients. In this interview, we discuss what has changed as well as the tried and true methods to become more productive that are still being utilized and implemented. To learn more about Allison and her mastermind classes, webinars, desktop mobile apps, please visit our website at www.the7minutelife.com. That's www.the7, the number, minute, M-I-N-U-T-E, life, L-I-F-E, dot com. And now for our featured podcast, please listen to my interview with David Corbin about his new book entitled, the Illuminated Brand, Building a Culture that Remains Brand-Centric, Even Under Pressure. Happy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining me from Poway, you in Poway this morning? In Poway, California, is my good friend and associate, David Corbin. David, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing wonderful. And, you know, we're, as I told you before, we're approaching uh, close to 900 podcasts now. And I'm always thanking the listeners. You know, I tell my authors it's a broken record, but without the people that come and make comments and do whatever, it's the lifeblood of what I do. So I always thank them before I start. Now, we had David on the show quite a while ago uh, for his book, Slaughter Brand or Brand Slaughter. I reverse the words, and we'll put a link up to that. And David, for those of you who don't know, has worked in the area of branding and consulting business owners for quite some time. He has many books out. You're welcome to go to Amazon and check out some of those. And I would also say just go to davidcorbin.com. That's David corbin.com. And I'd encourage all of my listeners to watch the featured ink little videos that he's got up there. They're little two minute videos that are just really, really cool. But David, I'm going to let him know a little bit about you. He's a keynote speaker, business advisor, president of private and public corporation, inventor, mentor, and he is really a good guy. He says he's a good guy. David has been referred to as the Robin Williams with an MBA because he's very practical, highly relevant content of the work that he does. He's worked for hundreds of companies. If you go to his website, you'll see he's a former uh, psychotherapist with a background in healthcare. He served as management leadership consultant to business and organizations of all sizes, from Fortune 20 companies to businesses with less than one 
one million, and he enjoys the challenge of all of this work. He also worked directly with the president of companies such as AT&T, Hallmark, Sprint, as well as the Honorary Secretary of the Veterans Administration and others. Again, go to davidcorbin.com. That's where you can learn more about David and what it is that he does. Speaking of AT&T and working with them, you know, I you talk about brand slaughter. And I know AT&T lately has been challenged and I have them for my internet service. And this isn't a dig, but I'll tell you, it's been a challenge to get anything done um, <laughs> with with they're gotten pretty big. <laughs> so David, you know, you give a ton of acknowledgments at the beginning of the book, uh, a lot of gratitude and a lot of love to people that have come before you, been your mentors, taught you, uh, everybody from Greg Reed to Brian Tracy, who used to work with. Now, let's kind of start the interview there. What did you gather in the way of knowledge, expertise, and wisdom by working with some of the greatest thought leaders of all time across the country? And how did that impact the writing of this particular book? I got to tell you, Greg, that question alone is delicious. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why. And not just because I've never been asked that question. I'm sure you have. (laughs) No, I've not. I've literally not in the way that you just asked that. And I mean that sincerely. sincerely. You know, I've invented products um, as a result of what I've learned and how I've learned. In addition, I've, I've, I've invented products and built companies around th- things that I learned from while I was teaching and while I was mentoring others. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a, Margaret Thatcher, and, and I, I got an award presented in part by Margaret Thatcher and Maya Angelou and Tom Peters and Secretary of State James Baker. And that invention came from uh, a collaboration and a consultation I was doing with a client. And then my current invention, which just won the healthcare innovation, uh, international healthcare design award, um, came from a collaboration with someone who I consulted with 25 years ago. And so the impact of, by, with, and for mentors is 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 beyond it's 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 beyond words. So as you're building your business, you know, we think we're building our business. No, our business is building us. Uh-huh. Yeah. And business is of course always about relationships. Relationships with others and relationships with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And learning about ourselves, our bandwidth, our skills, our areas of infinite potential uh and and all and so i was business partners with brian tracy for five years well how could you be around such an enlightened being and not learn even osmotically let alone directly and strategically Mm -hmm. i've mentored for 15 years greg reed still do and while as i'm mentoring in areas that I have experience and expertise and and, and wisdom, I'm learning uh, from him. So this library is a building in the back of my property. 
always wanted to have a library. I have a library. Not to show off books, but to read. Right. From old books, Carl Sandburg's book on Lincoln, which is signed by Carl Sandburg. Wow. Yeah. To books of people that I've mentored and they've 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 written those books. So I'm touched, blessed, and in deep appreciation and gratitude for all of uh, these relations. All our relations is really an important one. You know, after going to years of meditation retreats on the Orcas Islands, and one of the things we will say is all our relations. And when we do our bows to the north, the south, the east, and the west uh, in these silent retreats. Um, those are the things that we're doing. And it is, you know, you look at your journey through life and you look at all the people. And I was just reflecting as you were talking um, about some of the people that I've been so blessed to work with as well. Uh, you know, Larry Wilson, I was thinking about him as you were talking because that big bookcase behind you reminded me when I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he had to have a ladder to go through it and pull the book down and, you know, just, and it goes on and on and on and on of the people. And one person that you probably know that has become very close to me because we've helped is Quint Studer from the Studer Group. And he's in the hospital administration business. So if you don't know him, um, but I do, and, and I, I did see your interview with, with Quint. It was very well done. Well, he he is doing something quite interesting now, and I'll, uh, uh, offline here, we'll get to that because I want to get to what you're doing. This is a good segue to the Reliant Hospital. Um, and this is this fictional setting for the book. Um, and, and I'd like you to comment on thinking and actually using a hospital as a fictional setting to teach a lesson on brand integrity. Now, you know, we on the outsiders in don't always get to see the bowels of the ship inside of a hospital. It doesn't matter if it's Scripps or it's UCSD or it doesn't matter. But um, why did you choose to use this this hospital as your setting? And then all, also on that note, second question, um, the whole pandemic situation, it's been a huge discussion for the last nine months on these podcasts and how it has affected brands, brands that have gone down, they've disappeared, <laughs> right? Uh, brands that have risen to the top, Zoom. Uh, and I could enumerate more, AMC, gone, theaters, you know, where, where we're at. So what would you have to say about using this as your setting for this? Many years ago, I wrote a book called Psyched on Service, mm -hmm. Building a Total Service Mentality. This is many, many years ago. And then uh, one of the cabinet secretaries uh, had picked up the book or was given the book, and he read it. Uh, he was the secretary of the VA, and he said, get this guy in here and get him in here now. And I went in, and I consulted, and then I was asked to train, to speak to and train all of the directors of the VA medical centers and their chiefs of staff mm -hmm. uh, at the Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C. And of course I did. It was a great honor. <laughs> I remember telling my mom, oh, my God, I'm going to go consult with and speak for the secretary. She said, oh, that's wonderful, sweetheart. Who's secretary? <laughs> 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 and so 
I really got to know hospitals and healthcare. And then uh, because I didn't want to travel all over the place, I created a video-based training and we trained many thousands within the VA medical center system and then other hospitals who were not military medical, uh, VA government related had me come in. So I, I knew that environment and, 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 and I've worked in and around that. Well, I know that hospitals are known by everyone and they often don't have the greatest reputation. Oh, the doctors might, but the hospital might. In some cases, the hospital might and the doctors don't. In any event, everybody's had hospitals as a touch point at one point in their life. So I use this as a, a business novella, a background, because I love telling, making points uh, with short stories. I think people mm-hmm. really get it. I get them emotionally involved, and they do. In my latest book, I've actually had people cry, <laughs> which is interesting. Um I like to engage uh, people. And when they're laughing, ha, 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 I punch them in the belly with something serious. And when they're too serious, I tickle them in the little gut and I get them open. And I, I like to take people on sort of a sine wave. Um, uh, my friend Zig Ziglar uh, taught me that years ago. Uh, and he said, David, it's uh, sort of like a Reese cup. He says, <laughs> it's a little bit sweet and it's a little bit salty. <laughs> and, so, and so Reliant Hospital is, it's a fictitious hospital that I, I wrote about in right. um, Preventing Brand Slaughter, which made it to the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, I think because it was an engaging story with a really powerful message and a specific takeaway, you know, how to do an audit of brand integrity. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I remember uh, reading the part about uh, the uh, hospital administrator saying, uh, I think it was Patrick, did you hear about the virus is what they said, what you said, the virus. No, they didn't call it the pandemic, the virus. And they, they said, no, we didn't hear about the virus. I thought that was really good how you how you kind of wove that in there. Yes, the virus was coming. Um, so on the second part of that question, um, how has this, and, and I know I've talked with Quint a lot offline and online, um, about what the pandemic has done inside the hospitals for the morale. The challenge has been the morale and, um, you know, people working inside of these facilities under extremely stressful conditions. Um, And obviously that uh, morale issue then affects service. It affects brand. It affects a lot of things. So would you comment on, on that if you would, because that was the part two of my question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we know that our, our, our staff, our customers are never going to treat our patients or our clients any better than they're being treated by management and leadership. Right. You know that. If there is indeed a domino effect, it may not be in economics, but it sure as hell is in interpersonal relations. There's no doubt about that. Look, um, the pandemic comes down uh, and everybody's stressed out. We offer them PPE and we even had shortages. But who is giving them the ePPE? The emotional personal protective equipment Mm -hmm. Uh, and hospitals need to know that look in the story, the illuminated brand, when this all comes down, they're blindsided. 
they're they're committing brand slaughter. You know, we know about manslaughter, but they're committing brand slaughter. But it's involuntary brand slaughter. In this case, this stuff is happening upon them. And in the book, they get together and have a committee and say, listen, we've monitored how our brand lives at each touch point in interaction. But but with this brand with this pandemic coming down or potentially coming down, this is involuntary brand slaughter. What could we do to make sure that we keep our brand promise, our values, congruence and integrity with all of our actions? Because if we don't plan on it, it ain't going to happen because it's going to get crazy. And in the story, the reader learns how to do the illuminated brand program internally so that the reader could do it themselves. And oh, by the way, I have a division that does the illuminated brand for corporations or hospitals or whatever. And oh, by the way, they came up with in the book, well, what can we do to create a space, a sacred space for our doctors and nurses to sort of reboot And they found this thing called a rejuvenation station, which is a video kiosk with noise canceling headphones. And in eight to 10 minutes, they go from their crazy roles and goals down into their souls. And by the way, that's an invention of mine, which is well, you have that little kiosk. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but that is also, you know, when you think about it, uh, to be able to take eight minutes and go in a booth and come down to a soul level because of how you treat patients. There couldn't be anything better for brand than to allow people under extreme stresses to experience that. So congratulations for that invention, uh, because I think it's brilliant and it it is much needed. Uh, You know, in chapter one, you speak about brand integrity and the state of when the hospital was in integrity with its brand um, and they were confident that they were in compliance with the highest standards in healthcare. Um, speak with our listeners about brand integrity and why compliance is so important. Because obviously the pandemic had an effect on being in compliance and brand integrity. Well, look, integrity is everything. Yeah, it, 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 integrity is an- is everything. If if Greg Voison is doing podcasts as you've been doing, I think longer than any other person I know. And if Greg is designing that podcast so that the message comes out from his guests, but Greg doesn't even care about the message from the guests. He cares about look at me, look at me. That's brand integrity. Mm-hmm. I mean, brand brand slaughter, I should say. Brand integrity is asking questions like the first question you asked me showed me that you read the book, you give a hoot, and you want that message propagated. So all I'm suggesting is, is this. If a hospital talks about integrity, compassion, caring, state of the art, respect for the individual, then everything that they do in harmony with that is brand integrity. But right. everything they do outside of that is brand slaughter. And so when I come into a hospital and it's dirty or it's smelly or it's hard to get in or I'm not greeted or I ask a question and I'm treated like I'm a nuisance or but that's brand slaughter. And until and unless 
every employee, be it a hospital or even a small organization, until they do the audit of brand integrity with a list of the brands here and the touch points there and saying, am I living this brand with this person? It's a hit or it's a, it's a yes or no. Yeah. And and it's got to be amongst everybody all the way down, everybody in the organization. You know, I'm working inside a company now and I totally uh, kind of a, you know, I drink in the elixir of what you're saying because it's really, really important. And I hope the listeners get that um, because you can't have, if you're going to align, uh, and I know you you talked about culture in one of your videos. You said, I'm so tired of people talking about culture. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you, but uh, importantly, on the other hand, it's about the relationship with the people. You know, and in your chapter where the hospital staff were talking about the new virus, um, they also talked about the positive power of negative thinking and the three-step process to handle the negatives as face it, follow it, fix it. That is one of your, you know, you've had that for quite a while. Can you discuss the three-step process with the audience and how it relates to the positive power of negative thinking? Yeah. So as you know, many years ago, Wiley published uh, a book I wrote called Illuminate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, harnessing the positive power of negative thinking. People are like, you're a positive guy. Why are you writing negative thinking? It's because I've read all the positive mental attitude literature and I've mm-hmm. shared the platform. Nowhere, nowhere in positive mental attitude literature does it say ignore negative issues. Right. Nowhere. You know, one time you and I were talking about melanomas and, and having them cut up. Well, if I see like potentially a melanoma, well, I'm just going to put a Band-Aid over it. I'm going to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. No, we say accentuate the positive where things are great. Yay. Don't eliminate the negative. Illuminate the negative. Mm -hmm. You can't solve everything you face, but you can't solve anything unless you face it. And then I teach face it, follow it, and fix it. And, and, And when I look at the client work that I've done over the last this is my 41st year mm-hmm. in my consulting business. Um, when I look at the clients who were most effective, they were the ones who not only celebrated the successes, but they were willing to look at the issues that may be holding them back, face them, and then follow them. Where are they coming from? What's holding them in place now? And what happens, follow it out into the future if we, if we don't mitigate it? And then you engage upon the process of fixing it, which is to eliminate or minimize the power. That's the face it, follow it, and fix it. And I've done this in so many industries. I did it yesterday in a strategic planning session in central uh, California here. Been doing it forever. I know the model. And for the viewers and listeners, what aren't you facing in your business or in your life? I was challenged on Oprah radio one time. Does this apply to the family? And it does. What is it that you may be missing? You don't know. So think about it, that if you faced it, which you may be suppressing, you may be putting under the carpet, that if you to face it and allow and follow it and fix it, 
man, I'm telling you, sometimes these issues or challenges are like a vampire. They evaporate in the light of day. <laughs> yeah, it's and it what happens is your lift the weight is lifted off of your shoulders. You almost feel that. I watched a thing I'd never seen it before, but Dr. Phil House calls. And he went to a family that was dealing with an overdose drug of a ch- overdose drug of one of the children of a mixed marriage. And the, everybody was blaming everybody else. And I thought it was really fascinating because he showed the cameras in there and what he was doing. And it was very rede- revealing for kind of a show like that. But whether it was played up to the camera or not, in the end, you really saw that this family was relieved by being able to talk through the issues of the death of uh, the son and and get through it. And I thought it. you want to talk about illuminating. It was like they the last scene was on a boat where they're all together kind of hugging and talking about the young man who had uh, committed because they were blaming one another, right? And frequently that happens. And you know, never being a psycho. Huh? Yeah. It's never my fault. Right, right. Never, and, and there's nothing wrong with me, but I can sure see everything that's... <laughs> That's wrong with that's wrong with you. You know, as a consultant and as a mentor, that is huge because you know, mentors and consultants are so focused on scanning and reviewing the issues, the lives, etc., of their client, they sometimes forget that they have a mirror. They have yeah. a mirror. And um I used to have a friend that used to say, You're pointing one finger out, two fingers are pointing back. Right. He used to say that to me. And, and, and it's, you know, there's such simple little statements or comments that people can make that really make a big impact. I mean, you were talking about Zig Ziglar and I never forget what I used to go to all of his events because uh, I was definitely involved in marketing and sales. And he says, it's not your aptitude that determines your altitude. It's your attitude. And I'll never forget that. Like, I still use it today. And I think it is still so very, very important. You know, it's it's immutable. You know, yeah. uh, Zig used to say to me, Dave, uh, you imitate me better than I do. <laughs> you do. You do. We did a test once. We did a test. He used to call his wife. Sugar darling. Yeah. So he yeah. had his wife turn around yeah. and we both took turns to see if she could determine who it was. So she turned around and, and I went, hi, sugar darling. And he did the same. And she turned around and she says, well, Dave, uh, you came in second and that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Now, you know, in this book, uh, which we're going to put a link to Amazon. You speak about the Illuminated Brand Program in, in your chapter three uh, to help the hospital face the virus issue. Um, regardless if it's virus or whatever it is, in general terms, what should our listeners learn from the program that they can apply as lessons in their lives or in their business? Um, it is. It's, it's every business, right? It doesn't matter if it's a hospital or whatever, but this, you use this setting to tell the story. It's a great setting. Um, I have le- businesses right now I'm consulting that have these same problems. So if you were speaking to anybody today, what would you tell? Here you go. And I'm giving it away. I'm giving it away. So if you're interested, if any of this stuff has made any sense, grab a pen and a paper because here you go or record this or whatever. Number or watch one. this video. Or, or but, 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 but most importantly, get this in any way, shape or form that you get this. And that is this. 
what are your, I call it IBDs, what are your intended brand descriptors? How do you want to be described? Let's say you're a leader or a manager or a supervisor or a salesperson, or you're looking at the whole business. What descriptive adjectives do you want to be described as? Those are your IBDs. It's not irritable, bowel, it's, it's intended. It's IBS. <laughs> irritable bowel disease. But Syndrome. <laughs> how do you want to be described? Make that list. What is your brand promise? Well, we are, and we, and and one can only just just Google it, and you'll see different brand values of many different companies. And all. how do you want to be described? What do you want people to yell over the fence, so to speak, to their neighbor to talk about and describe you? And then with that, you look at all of the people in your in your life or in your business, whatever your focus is, because it really does apply to both. And you simply write down there's prospects, there's customers, there's coworkers, there's leadership, there's vendors. All the all these stakeholders, tons all, of them. Yeah, all <laughs> of the people that whether they're a stakeholder in your business or not, you have some association. Mm-hmm. It could even be the people who office next door. Anyone, anyone that you have contact with, verbally, visually, or otherwise. And then you create this matrix. Now, there's a really cool thing on The List TV, thelisttv.com. They did a really cool show on me and on Brand Slaughter. And, and they did a great video. There's a comedian. It's The List TV, and you look at Brand Slaughter. But he shows the matrix. Here's the in-brand descriptors, which you can make. You could do it on, on Excel, or you could do it on paper. It doesn't make a difference. Just right. do it. Right. And then here's the touch points of the people. And you look at the intersection, and there's your bingo card to brand integrity. It's mm-hmm. that uh, really that simple. Now, in groups, I have people look and go, "Hey, where you have a red, a, a green check mark?" As the song goes, accentuate the positive. Right. Where you have a red X, you don't eliminate the negative. No, illuminate the negative, and then we break them up into groups. And then they describe where they're falling down. They illuminate it. Well, follow it. Why are we falling down? Could It could be very simple, a solution. And then we set SBIs. Write that down. SBI, strategic brand initiatives, to close the gaps, to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And Greg, you and I know how many years ago we talked about PGA, and it mm-hmm. wasn't Tiger Woods. It was performance gap analysis. Mm-hmm. Closing those gaps with your strategic brand initiatives. And when you do, your organization is focused on living the brand, on brand integrity. And it creates an esprit de corps and a culture of engagement, ownership, and asking ourselves, hey, are we living the brand? If so, cool. If not, what can we do? And if we don't have the resources of time or money or even know-how, we still put it on the flip chart. Let's not lose it. That's Illuminate. That's Brand Slaughter. And that's their birth child, 
the illuminated brand. So if they go to your website, um, can they get that? Or should I put a link on the blog to this, the list? Um, where is that chart? Is that chart available? You said you're giving it away. I don't, I don't know that it's on the website. It might be. It might be on the website. I know it's on LinkedIn. Okay, so um, we can we can find it on LinkedIn. We'll yeah. we'll put a link to that. So yeah. because that was a great way to do it, you know. And I know you were good friends and still are with Tony Alessandra, and his name came up in a podcast yesterday with Dr. Bob Nelson, who I'm sure you know as well, and. You know, we were talking about the platinum rule, you know, because you're just kind of referring back to this and that. And you, I mean, you know, when you look at some of the people that have influenced you, including Dr. Tony Alessandra and all of his quizzes and things that he created and uh, things, it's, it's phenomenal. Now, if you would, each of the chapters of the book is engaging. We got that. It's a story. It's lessons related to current situation in the country due to COVID. You talked about some of the lessons. I think the one you just shared is really good. Speak to our audience about potential brand slaughter hotspots and its effects to brand integrity. Hmm. So a hotspot would be defined as being out of integrity. Now, Quite frankly, many business owners or leaders, if they knew it was a hot spot, they'd be on it. But they often don't. You know, how many times have we called Maron? How many times have we called? Um, I don't care whether it's a utility. I won't mention names, but I'll give you initials like AT&T. You know, and and we're put on hold or got someone. We go through our we have to tell them our country western story about what's going on. Here. <laughs> right, right. And then they tell us, well, it's the wrong department. Uh hold, I'll connect you to the right department. And right. you go, are you kidding? And then we get disconnected. Yeah. How many executives audit that process? Yeah. Actually call and, and so they don't even know. That brand slaughter is rampant in their organization. And they don't know it. And in my opinion, they should be convicted of brand slaughter in the second degree. So this ABI, you call it ABI in the book. And it's audit of brand brand integrity. integrity. Discuss that, that some of the tools, techniques, and practices for our listeners. Because ABI, look, everybody should be doing this, but they're not. The point of the book is... I give you these tools, I give you these lessons, now apply them, and as you said, accentuate the negative, and let's fix it, right? So, I mean, if you really brought it down to it, it's let's fix the negative. (laughs) So, yeah, doing as they call it in my client companies in real life, and as they call it in my fictional hospitals, Reliance, in preventing brand slaughter and in the illuminated brand, they call it the Abbey. We're going to do the Abbey. ABI. What did a brand integrity do the Abbey where everyone goes around with a very sophisticated device called a yellow pad <laughs> yeah. and, and nope. this, this very high tech thing called a pen yeah. and yeah. they have their diary of touch points, 
and they audit in their mind, hey, am I doing it or am I not doing it? It's not Greg playing audit brand police. Pull it over. I'm uh, Greg Voison. I'm the uh, sergeant of brand integrity here. I've got a notification that you kind of screwed up over there. What do you yeah. No, you do this yourself. And the reason you do it yourself, and this is interesting. It's almost like undercover boss when you think about it, but not going undercover. But you're you know? your own undercover boss. Yeah, exactly. And you're good at this because you have more experience under your own covers every night. Why yeah. can't you do it? You don't need somebody else to do it. But right. I've had clients tell me that when they keep their peripheral you know about the reticular activator system in the oh, back yeah. of the brain. Yeah. You open up the filters to like a red Subaru. You never see one, but then your neighbor gets one and you see them all over the place. Um, well, when you open up your peripheral vision to, am I living the brand descriptor? Am I earning the descriptors? Am I living the brand? When you do that, People seek and you shall find, right? You open the filter and you go, you'll either go, holy moly, that was cool, yay, or you'll go, holy crap, holy, I'm going to change that. But I don't know exactly how best to handle that because that might be a policy issue, but I'm going to write it down because it's brand slaughter and I'm going to talk with someone in the organization because we're all engaged in audits of brand integrity. So the culture is celebrate the success and let's celebrate that we found an area that we're not really doing it. And that's a celebration. Look, when we found out many years ago that we had breast cancer, was that good news or bad news? Well, I'll tell you, it was painful news, but it was good news with regard to if we didn't know about it, she wouldn't be alive today. We couldn't mm -hmm. have dealt with it, you see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a health nut, you know, you talked about we, we should be, but we're not. I mean, I sat down at breakfast this morning with the top executive of a healthcare in company, and I took out my, my <laughs> monk fruit maple syrup <laughs> and my big bag of supplements, <laughs> and he ordered bacon and, you know, nitrates and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, making judgments. But what I'm saying is I have illuminated years ago. You knew me when I was 50 pounds heavier. Yeah, I did I actually. Faced, yeah. I faced that I was obese. I followed it. When I become a grandfather, I won't be alive or at least mobile or flexible. Uh, and, I, and I fixed it. That does take courage and discipline. But most executives don't at least even audit their brand's integrity, and they allow for those calls to happen, or they allow for the front receptionist who is the ambassador of first impression to, uh, to either ignore them or be on a phone and not even, not even look up. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's brand slaughter. And it's such an easy, it's such an easy fix. Well, and in much of this, as you know, being a psychotherapist, it's uh, I don't care if it's tiny habits or BJ Fogg. It's really about, and in your case, everywhere, it's about new habits that have to be formed to keep consistency and the integrity. 
Um, and I love the fact that it's all just done one step at a time. So when you do illuminate the negative, and like in your case, you said you were 50 pounds overweight. I've always carried a little bit extra weight, but I'm now down. Um, and the reality is, you know, those little habits about what you're putting in your mouth, it's a very simple formula. You know, I've, everybody makes make this real complicated, you know, calories in versus calories burnt. Um, and I know there's a lot of controversy about all this, but the reality is I've had enough people who help people lose weight. And in your case, it's doing it um, at giving them advice. And the advice can be very simple, just like you just said. Now, in chapter 13, you state that the kindest touch and the compassionate care are two very important components in branding. And because of the pandemic, these were usually overlooked. Uh, and I would agree with you. Um, I had a brother pass away during the pandemic at Scripps, and you couldn't get in. And he didn't have COVID, but it was so tightly restricted, you know, it was tough. What advice would you give to those on the front line under the most pressure about kindness and compassion uh, coming from David Corbin with a little bit of influence from the Dalai Lama? Because uh, the reality is, if we follow the Dalai Lama, we, we would all be compassionate, kind, and understanding. And I, I love listening to them, and I just wish the rest of the world would understand the message that he's trying to convey. <laughs> well, let me say this to you, Greg. Yes. <laughs> I am Swami Korbinanda. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Sachitananda Murtaye. We can't. Um, we can't give away what we don't have. We can't give away what we don't have. So if we don't show love, uh, kindness, and compassion uh, to ourselves, uh, we can't give it away. We could fake it, not fake it till you make it. I, I, think, I think it's more fake it till you break it, because if you fake it, you're going to break. Compassion begins here. I gotta, I gotta, and, uh, I gotta say, show you something. Right, I want to hasten to say this while you're looking and you're mooning the camera. I while gotta show you this while you're mooning the camera. I no, 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 it. because she can edit that. My next interview tomorrow. Make it, don't mm -hmm. fake it. And and I'm saying make it, don't break it. Yeah. Or but here's here's what I want to say. When we talked about. Health restoration, yep. which could involve uh, releasing weight. The greatest tips, hacks, or advice that I was given is self-love. Is go inside and become connected with yourself. Mm -hmm. Willie Baby Shakespeare said to thine own self be true and it shall follow the night, the day thou canst not be false to any other. And so go inside my mentoring clients. You know, I mentor uh, some pretty famous people and all. And uh, I have them meditate uh, for 12 to 22 minutes. I start them off at 12. They build up to 22 minutes until they go on their own for an hour. But the point is, is they go inside. Mm -hmm. And when you go inside and you're in touch with your quadrinity, your physical self, emotional, your intellectual, your emotional, and your spiritual, 
when you keep the emotional, the intellectual, and physical in harmony, the spiritual can steer you in the direction uh, of greatness uh, uh, and, and equanimity and equipoise and the like. So from Swami, from Swami Gorbinanda, <laughs> uh, go, in, go inside. Uh, and if you're a healthcare worker or if you're a high tech worker or if you're a frontline or whether what, no matter what you do, if compassion, caring, and, and, and love, which is damn good business. My buddy Steve Farber wrote that book, McGraw-Hill. If that's important to you, it has to come from here before, through heart math, you could measure it coming uh, out of here. Yeah, you know, it, it's so important that you bring this up as it relates to brand integrity and brand slaughter. Because if people saw that at the core essence, you said, I remember earlier, going from stress and then into your booth, getting to a soul level at the booth, eight minutes. Now you're saying you're, you're helping people meditate 12 to 24 minutes and then on to an hour. And it's that piece that you come getting out of the whirlwind, which is what you're doing inside the hospitals. You're taking healthcare workers out of a whirlwind for eight minutes. And um, as my good friend, um, uh, John Selby used to say, Oh, yeah. uh, you're, you're you're giving them a breather break. <laughs> you know, there used to be there used to be these um, uh, people would say, "I'm gonna." And in hospitals, it's very interesting. I, you'd walk around a hospital and see people smoking cigarettes, and I was like, "How in the hell could this be happening?" Right? These people are out on a break and they're walking around the building smoking a cigarette. Um, and they're healthcare workers. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here going, this is true, people. <laughs> I worked with a company for three years. They pay me, paid me lots of money to do what I used to call the marketing mentality for the healthcare professional. And I set them up for a program that I won't tell you the name of the company, but rhymes with Schmeiser Permanente. <laughs> and then they did a program called Thrive. Yeah. And I told them, don't do that program unless you have a face of thriving healthcare workers. Because yeah. if they're not thriving and you're talking about thrive, that's brand slaughter. Yeah. And that was when I wrote the book, Preventing Brand Slaughter. <laughs> well, very, very good correlation. But Again, you've linked all these together for us, which I think is really good for the listener. Uh, obviously, we're going to tell them to go out and get the book. Uh, by the time this airs, the book will be up on Amazon. Uh, so let's wrap this up, Dave. If you were to leave the listeners with one or two single points that you'd like to have them take away from the book, um, what would it be and how can they integrate this advice uh, for both themselves? and for the organizations in which they're running or working for. So in other words, if I'm a CEO, great. If I'm a midline manager, great. If I'm down in the bowels of the ship and I'm the nurse on the front line, uh, what advice would you like to leave them with about uh, the illuminated brand? Because they are the brand. Every one of those people I just mentioned, because I watched your video, they are the brand. Yeah, so here, here it is. Get ready, editors. <laughs> Wake the F up. Wake the F up. 
If you're not effing up your business, you're effing up your business. Let me explain. Face it, follow it, and fix it. Wake the F's up. Face it, follow it, and fix it. Face the fact that you have a brand and a brand reputation, whether it's on purpose or not. You have a brand, and you have brand descriptors. Wake the F up. Face those brand descriptors, then follow them. Are they a good witch or a bad witch? And follow them as to why they're good and follow them as to why they're suboptimal. And then set the SBIs, the strategic brand initiatives, close the gaps and fix it. Wake the F up. Great advice. So you all in that, you got three points of advice in there which was perfect. (laughs) And I didn't set that question up, but you answered it uh, fantastically. Well, David, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth, uh, sharing some of your wisdom and insights uh, about an illuminated brand, brand slaughter, the ABI, and the face it, and then follow it, and then fix it. You know, So uh, kudos, namaste to you. Thanks for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. This podcast has been brought to you by Emily Francis, author of a new book entitled Healing Ourselves Whole, an interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of your body. This groundbreaking interactive book contains everything you need to clean your emotional house from top to bottom, including a journal, prompts, and access to audio meditations to listen to as you read. If you might be dealing with body pain that is talking with you, and you don't know what it's telling you, then you really should listen to this podcast and get a copy of Emily's new book, The Healing Ourselves Whole. If you want to learn more about Emily and her bodywork, please visit her website at www.emilyfrancis.com. That's www.emilyemilyfrancisbooksbooks.com. Tune in for more great podcasts from Inside Personal Growth, and thanks for listening.